Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is the Bucks Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Bucks Wire editor, Luke Easterling. Hello and welcome into our Week 15 episode for the regular season. So glad to have you with us. And uh, Luke, I got to say, that was a pretty good week for the Bucks. That's a pretty good week, right? They they hold on. I know it wasn't pretty. We'll get into it. But they hung on. They won their fourth straight. And then on Monday night, the Cardinals fall to the Rams, right? So now it's it's Bucks, it's Packers, it's Cardinals all lined up and heading for that number one seed. I mean, the Bucks are right where they want to be, right? That was a pretty good week. Yeah, I mean, uh, Bucks fans probably got a little bit excited watching the Bears hang with the Packers. Yeah, there. yeah, man, um, yeah. There's reason to stay up on. There's no doubt on Sunday night. There was reason to. Stay yeah, up. for sure, for sure. But uh, you know that one didn't go their way. But I, I still liked the Bucks schedule compared to those other two teams, Green Bay and Arizona. And I think everything is in front of them. I'm pretty sure we said this last week that the number one seed is right there. Um, so. When you get to face, obviously the Saints is going to be a big one this week, but you get Carolina twice at the Jets. Can't really ask for a much better uh, finish to the season in terms of strength of schedule. Um, but yeah, great, another great week for the Bucks, and we'll see if they can capitalize. Friendly reminder to all our listeners to hit that subscribe button for us. Just search the Bucks Wire, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. You can find us, and we appreciate each and every one of you. And uh, yeah, I mean, I thought I thought it was a good week. The Bucks are in a good spot, Luke, right where they want to be, but. Before we started thinking about the first round bye and playoff positioning, let's just win the damn division. You know, let's just let's just get this over with, right? I mean, for the Bucks to beat the Saints at home and clinch their first division title since 2007, there would be something cathartic about doing that, right? I mean, just something there'd just be something special about finally getting that thing done and then finally moving on from that piece of it. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, that was the only thing I was going to mention about the the good week. Obviously you wanted the bears to win and they couldn't do that. And you wanted the jets to beat the saints, right? So you could just go ahead and win the division before going into this game. But I do think there's a, it's just too fitting that this will be the chance to do it, right? You got the saints coming in and all of the, all of the mental, you know, games that, that come that, that come to mind when, when this rivalry comes to mind in, in recent years. And the fact that last year, remember week one, they you know, the Bucks, you know, were really clunky and they hung in at the end, but you know, still lost to the Saints. And then later in the season you're like, okay, the Bucks are gonna come back, you know, they're gonna they're gonna beat the Saints at home. And it was even worse. They lose thirty eight to three. It was really ugly, right? So there's so many reasons why this is just the perfect situation for the Bucks to go out there Sunday night football national TV home crowd and and as uh, as Bruce Arians would say a hat and t-shirt game uh, with a chance to uh, to do it against the Saints on your home field and and exercise those demons as you said I, I think it's it's perfect it's a perfect scenario but now they got to go out and actually get the job done so what's your top takeaways from this uh, from this Bill's Bucks game Luke right near impossible to come back against Tom Brady in this Bucks defense in their house down 21 points but the Bills almost did it, right? They almost did it. So, I mean, how you feel about this win? You feeling good that the Bucks were able to hold on and able to have that dominant first half and get that big lead? Or are you feeling a little shaky about them kind of holding on for dear life and kind of looking gassed down the stretch and kind of getting run over by Josh Allen? Uh, how you feeling about it? I think, you know, the way I feel about it, it's probably a little more optimistic than, than some Bucks fans might be. But this, the game is about winning, right? So, 
Bruce Arians always says it's a lot more fun to learn and grow and improve after a win than a loss, right? You feel much better about it, even if the, the problems are the same, right? So, and I think that's the way the Bucks will approach it this week. I, I think my, my reaction to that game is the Bucks showed what they're capable of in that first half, right? You hold the Bills to three points. You drop 24 on them. Brady's looking sharp. You know, everything's going your way. You're running the ball. You're throwing the ball. You're doing everything you want to do. And then the second half showed what happens when you play really any team in the NFL, but especially a really good team, and you take your foot off the gas at all, and you don't execute. And we've mentioned this multiple times on this show throughout the year. Tom Brady has had stretches this season and last season where he's just off, and he just misses receivers. And he admitted it after the game. Bruce admitted it after the game. He had multiple throws in this game that were just layups, and he absolutely whiffed. A couple of them were key third downs, and that's what – you know, complimentary football, right? We always talk about that cliche, but that's what it looks like. Your defense has trouble stopping the run when they're on the field too much. And they're on the field too much when you miss wide open throws and you can't move the chains on third down. And they're getting extra possessions that they're having to defend Josh Allen and that offense. So that's that's how teams come back like that is when the offense doesn't pull their weight, the defense gets tired and can't, you know, play at the same level because they're on the field way too much. And that's how you, you deal with a comeback like that. So I think it shows what the Bucks are capable of, both good and bad. They're capable of letting a team hang around and come back when they don't execute and don't live up to it, their their expectations, right? Their, their expectations are really high because this might be the most talented football team in, in the league, and you have to play that way. And when you don't, that's what it can look like, what it looked like in the third and fourth quarter. But at the end of the day, what's it about? It's about – before you know at some point before the clock goes zero and maybe even a little after sometimes can you make the plays necessary to win the game anyway even after you screwed up even after you let them come back with all of that going on what happened the defense was on the field that final drive of regulation for 14 plays and still held the bills to a field goal to tie the game instead of a touchdown to win it at the end right with 20 something seconds left and then what happens? They go to overtime, and the defense is right back on the field again after a 14-play drive, and they get a three and out. And they hand the ball back to Brady, and Brady's like, okay, we got to go 94, 96 yards, but my defense just gave me two chances w- with the way that they they stopped the, the Bills in, in multiple drives despite being exhausted. We're going to pull our weight. We're going we're gonna to come, come to play here. So they had multiple situations even on that drive. They had seven-yard uh, loss on a pass to Leonard Fournette. Then right after that, Gronk makes a big catch and run and sets up the third and short. That then they get the touchdown afterwards to win the game. I mean, at the end of the day, you overcame all of that and you still won the game. So I think when you win that game, it shows you that you can overcome whatever. And and I think those are the positives that the Bucks can take forward. Yeah, like you said, Josh Allen could do no wrong in that second half, Luke, including the coin toss. Right, he just couldn't get anything wrong in yeah. that second half, uh, and it did feel like it was going the wrong way there. But you held on, you won the game, and you know you could play better, and you know you have plenty to clean up. Like, like I look back at the very beginning of the game, the first snap, that sales pass Brady, yeah. Greg, Rousseau, <laughs> Greg Rousseau versus a 44-year-old quarterback. It's like, oh, my God, it was almost disaster right away. Plenty yep. to clean up, plenty to clean up, but you won the game. You won the game against a, a good Bills team. Right, and, and honestly, you have to, in order to win a Super Bowl, you have got to win pretty much every type of game. You have to be able to be confident in your team that no matter what kind of game we get into, slugfest, you know, shootout, comeback, you know, taking, you know, nursing a big lead, going to overtime. The fact that they won that type of game, which is a new one this year, you know, uh, that that checks it off the list. That's one more game they know they can win if they get into that situation, and that's going to be key in the playoffs. No doubt. And then the final play of the game was an interesting one, right? So the Bucks line up with this 
bunch formation, Luke, right at the top of the screen if you're watching at home. And it uh, looks like there was some confusion on the Bills. There's no way Tremaine Edmonds, the linebacker, was supposed to run around with Perriman on that play. There's just no way. I think the Bills screwed up the coverage because they sent Matt Milano, the linebacker, on a blitz. And it worked right at the end of the fourth quarter. They sacked Brady on a big play. I think it was a third down. This time, Matt Milano did not get home. And I think this is just the brilliance of Brady, right? I mean, it's not always the spectacular throw, right? Sometimes it's just like spotting the mismatch before it, you know, before it's wide open. Like Brady saw it. He was locked on the paramin. He saw that thing coming across the field. And it's just like the simple, perfect decision at the right time. And boom, paramin has gone for the touchdown. I thought... That play, the Bills got a little cute trying to blitz Milano again and catch Brady, and he burned him. Well, and you mentioned it. That was the key. That that coverage, I don't even know if it was a blown coverage as much as it was designed to get Brady sacked. Yep, yep. Because if you watch what happened with the route, it's a mesh concept between Evans, who was coming from the right, and then Perriman, who's coming from the left. So they're supposed to cross over each other on, on a shallow crossing route from opposite directions and create some traffic. And Perriman said after the game that he was the rub guy. He's supposed to free up Mike. So he's supposed to create that traffic in the middle, and Mike was supposed to clear to Brady's left, right? And so the Bills actually called a really great coverage for that because if you watch the play, the corner that initially starts to run with Perriman in man coverage, as soon as he kind of get as soon as Brady kind of gets back on that on that drop step where he's gonna want to throw that ball, that corner actually peels off and sits down right in that void where, where Mike Evans was about to clear into, right? So that was, the, that was it. That was the moment where if you're the Bills, you're like, okay, he's going to get back on that third step, and, and the corner's going to be sitting there. He's going to want to go to Mike. He's not going to have him, and then Milano's going to get home, right? He's going to sack him before he can get to the next read. The problem was offensive line did a great job, picked up the blitz, and allowed Brady that extra split second to kind of reset and drift to the left just another step. And then when that happened – the, the, the fail-safe you know, coverage is the fact that as soon as Perriman clears that, that zone without his defender, because he left him behind, right? That's, that defender sat down in that zone to dub, basically double-cover Mike Evans. That's now Edmonds' guy. He's got to pick him up. And Trey Edmonds is a hell of an athlete. I mean, 6'4", 260, and, and runs 4'5"-ish. So, I mean, for his size at a linebacker position, he's an incredible athlete. But any guy who's already flat-footed and trying to now, like, pick up any receiver, really, but now, like, oh, now I've got to run with him. Uh, Brashad Perryman's a legit, like, maybe high 4-2 guy, even at his size. Flies, man. He's gone. He's, I mean, there's a lot of things he, you know, he's not the most complete receiver in the world, but holy Lord, can he run. So even the best, most athletic linebacker maybe in the league trying to trying to switch gears and now get to full speed and run with a guy who was already having a head start, it was the perfect Perfect mismatch, and again, it's all on the offensive line. It's their ability to protect and give Brady that extra second for him to see, hey, Mike's not there, that's where I wanted to go. Now I can reset, and I've got a ridiculous mismatch here. He makes the throw, and obviously the rest is history. That was an awesome play and a great breakdown from you, Luke. Uh, And we'll keep picking through this game here in our questions of the week. Stick with us. We'll do that right after this. This is the Typical Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. 
Corey Benini with TheHuddle.com here to bring you strong plays for Week 15. The fantasy football playoffs are upon us in most formats, so let's dive right in. Quarterback Tua Tonga-Bailoa, Miami Dolphins versus New York Jets. First of all, the Jets have picked off a league low four passes in 2021, and the position has averaged 15.6% more points per game than average in the last five weeks when facing this defense. Tua comes off his bye with a COVID-riddled backfield that could lead to extra passing attempts. The Dolphins are healthy enough at wide receiver and tight end, though, and feature a promising rookie in Jalen Waddle to give the Jets trouble. Tonga Vailoa went for 22.3 fantasy points in the Week 11 meeting, which was his best performance in the last five weeks. Sony Michelle, Los Angeles Rams versus Seattle Seahawks. This one's a little bit dicey just because of the situation. Running back Daryl Henderson has a thigh injury and was also placed on the COVID list last week, and he's uncertain for Week 15. Michelle has a strong matchup ahead and could be relied upon even more if Odell Beckham Jr. cannot clear the COVID protocols as well. In the last five weeks, running backs have averaged 34.2% more fantasy points per game versus Seattle than the league average. Both Henderson and Michelle scored in the Week 5 meeting, and the position has produced six different 20-plus point performances against this defense since that contest. Wide receiver Marquise Brown, Baltimore Ravens versus Green Bay Packers. Ever since tallying 116 yards on nine catches against the Vikings, Brown has averaged 46 yards on six receptions and no touchdowns in the last four. That's just 7.7 yards per catch. Not good. His speed could be an issue for the Packers, though, as they have allowed receptions for touchdowns of 79 yards, 54 yards, 46 yards, and 54 yards just in the last two games. And two of those came on short passes. There's some upside here with Brown Sunday, regardless of whether it's Lamar Jackson or Tyler Huntley throwing his way. Tight end Ricky Seals-Jones, Washington football team at Philadelphia Eagles. Seals-Jones returned from injury last week only to stink up the joint with one catch on his four-target performance. The Eagles have been exceptionally generous to tight ends in 2021, and no team has given given up more catches, yards, or scores to the position. That's the triple crown in fantasy football matchups. If there's such thing as a get-right game for a career backup, this would have to be it. Quarterback Taylor Heineke's knee injury is worth monitoring, but he is expected to play. In your pursuit of a championship, be sure to check out thehuddle.com for more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, information, and advice. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522. 4700 in Colorado. All right, so that part of the show, our questions of the week. It's a little lightning round for Luke where I sent him some questions that he's not prepped on, and here's question number one for you, Luke. The Bills did not hand the ball to a running back once in the entire first half. It's the first time that's happened in a game in like 30 years. Do you applaud or boo the Bills for that ga- that kind of game flow, that game script they came up with in the first half? I mean, I, I applaud it in theory, except that it just didn't really work well in the first half. I mean, they only, still only scored three points. I think they did have a carry, but it was the fake punt, and that got yes, sucked out. Yes, even, yes. Not even that worked. So, uh, no, I don't blame them. We talked about it coming out of the Colts game, right? It, it's, it's basically a wasted down to run on the Bucks most of the time. You know, obviously they, they designed some runs for Josh Allen in the second half, and obviously the Bucks were a little more tired with the way the offense wasn't moving the ball, and had some success there, but I, no, especially in the first half. I, I mean, especially with a quarterback like Josh Allen, he's got some weapons in the offense. That that rushing offense is not even like they had Jonathan Taylor back there or a really good offensive line. Their offensive line is terrible, and they could put all of their running backs that they've played this season into a pot, mix them up together, and if one of them came out altogether, it would be not even close to Jonathan Taylor. 
So <laughs> I, I don't blame them whatsoever for just saying, you know what, let's just go ahead and sling the ball all over the place. Yeah, no, I, th- I thought it was a good game plan. Now, zero handoffs to a running back, you know, from a you know normal offensive formation. Maybe a little extreme, a little overboard, something we don't usually see, like zero. <laughs> like, But again, ab- abandoning that part of the game is fine. You still rush for 173 yards, right? Josh Allen rushed for over 100. Uh, it wasn't the wrong strategy. It was just they didn't execute, like you said, Luke. They didn't score. They didn't score. They didn't finish a drive yep. in that first half. That's what killed them. So I applaud the strategy, but you know the Bucks credit them on defense in that first half for shutting the Bills down and, and making them settle for that short field goal as well. All right, question number two. We know that Bruce is done with Tom Brady's elusive first down runs. Luke, he, he's, he came out and told us that uh, in, in a way that only he can. Uh, but you know what? Tom Brady seems to get a boost from these runs, right? When he runs for a first down, he always gets up with a little juice, doesn't he? Either the ball flip or the first down or the scream to the crowd. There's always something. Brady gets a little juice from these runs. They don't happen all the time. But, you know, I love Brady, and he's going to get fired up when he runs for a first down. It just is what it is. So do you buy or sell Bruce trying to keep Tom in the corner, right? Trying to keep Tom in the pocket, not letting Tom run anymore. I mean, I, I buy his good intentions. I don't know if I buy the the success rate. I yeah, don't know yeah. if he'll uh, he'll succeed and keep, because again, he won't. How much of how much of this game is instinct? You know, it's not. It, you may talk about it with a young quarterback, right? We, we've we've heard about it. You know, when you talk about the draft and you talk about quarterbacks coming in, young quarterbacks who maybe are really fast and mobile and and trying to teach them to stay in the pocket and teach them to to you know, get to that third and fourth read if you can and not bail out of a clean pocket because a lot of young quarterbacks really want to do that. They want to go one read, two read, and now, oh, uh, I'll probably have pressure, so I need to run. Instead of recognizing, hey, I actually do have a a nice pocket and and it's clean, or maybe I step up instead of trying to bail out to the outside. Because A lot of times you run into a sack that way. It's all about instincts. At this point in his career, we don't need to worry about Tom Brady's instincts, whether or not he's going to make the right decision to run or throw or whatever. We don't need to worry about that. If he decides that it's the best thing to do to take off and go get an extra few yards that way, I, I think we can all at this point in our, our, his career uh, trust him that that's going to be a good move. And it has been so far this year. He has found tremendous success in key moments, moving the chains and, and making, you know, and obviously the highlights will be the one, a couple, he's had a couple this week. He had one this week, but a couple this year where he's actually like shook a defender or, you know, broken a tackle or, or gotten through a defender to, to move the chains. And those are big deals, but it's more the fact that I think after that MCL surgery, again, he played all last season with torn MCL. He had that procedure done and he's got that confidence, that freedom in that knee to be able to take off and go get a few yards when it's as wide open as it has been a few of these times. So I think what Bruce's thing is, you know, there was the quarterback sneak. He wasn't thrilled with because he took a little bit of contact and it started basically a, a fight on the goal line that Brady was happily involved in uh, <laughs> letting, letting them know he wasn't too thrilled about it. But there was another one. It was a short run where he scrambled and he actually, you know, took a nice lick and looked like he kind of tried to take on the defender because it was third down instead of going and slide. And I think yep. that's what Brady really ha- or, or Bruce has an, an issue with. Not so much that he's leaving the pocket when it's, when it's necessary and when it's the best thing to do. But, man, he's got to do everything he can to make sure he gets down before he gets hit. Yeah, I think Bruce can complain all he wants and say enough of this or, or enough of that. But Tom's going to take off if that's his only chance to get a first down, right? If that's what he thinks is, is going to be the play. It's just going to happen. We're going to have to all live with it. You can't keep Tom in the pocket. can't keep Tom in the corner there, Luke. It's not, right, not going to happen. It's just not, it's not going to cross Tom's mind no. to not do it nope. in the moment. Nope. It's not gonna, it doesn't work that way. 100%. All right, question number three. Bruce told us that uh, Antonio Brown's future with the team is up in the air. Uh, now, AB could return next week, uh, but 
what do you think is the best solution here, Luke? Obviously, AB, you know, he's had a few questionable decisions since he's been a buck. Nothing, nothing insane, but uh, he, he's had some questionable things, some run-ins, and this is by far the worst thing that that has happened since he's been here, uh, faking the vaccination card and uh, getting suspended. Uh, but he was nursing an ankle injury anyway, so he could return in Week 16, I think, uh, healthy and ready to roll for a Super Bowl run. What do you think is the best solution? Do you let him play it out this year, or would you side with the team cutting him? What do you think is the best uh, solution? I mean, I, I don't know if there's a a best solution for my from in terms of my opinion. I think that there are two two options that will tell us about Bruce Arians that will tell us about the the, the team as a whole, as, as a franchise, as an organization. It's that you know, do you want to hold up your your word, or do you want to win football games? That's I mean that that really. Come, that's what it comes down to for me because Bruce Arians made it clear when they signed him that if there was any issues, he'd be gone. That's obviously not true already because if they really wanted to make a statement and, and make a point, they would have cut him as soon as this happened. No doubt. Um, so the fact that he hasn't been cut yet means I don't I don't think his future's up in the air at all, to be honest. I think Bruce doesn't really want to talk about it yet because he's got game planning to do and AB's still suspended and still rehabbing the ankle injury for all we know. Uh, and Mike, Mike Edwards was injured as well before his suspension. So he was a little banged up and, and I don't think he wants to deal with it until he has to. And every game is too important to kind of waste time worrying about it until he absolutely has to. I think that's why he's kind of punted it. Um, but at the end of the day, it's going to come down to, you know, do you prioritize the fact that this offense is way better when Antonio Brown is on the field? And there's no denying that. Um, and the fact that he's one of the greatest receivers to ever play the game, certainly one of the best of this you know, last 15, 20 years, his, his era, um, even at his age, he's still, you know, better than most receivers at this point in his career. Um, it just comes down to the fact that, you know, do you want to hold up what you said, which is that if he slips up, it's, it's over and we're not going to, we're not going to keep him around if he's going to keep messing up. Or do you continue to give him a second, third chance, fourth chance uh, to make sure that you can repeat and win another Super Bowl? I, I, I'm interested to see which one they pick. I'm glad it's not my decision because I think Bucks fans would be mad at me um, because I would be more interested in kind of upholding what I said I would do than than making sure I have a, a third Pro Bowl receiver on my offense. Um, I think if anything, any any offense in the in the league could afford to lose a number three receiver, it's the the team that has Mike Evans and Chris Goblin and Rob Gronkowski to throw the ball to. Um, but yeah, I, I don't. I don't know if there's a best case scenario. I know what I would like to see, and I, it would it'd be nice to see the Bucks make it clear that those types of decisions and that type of behavior is not tolerable. And and again, people will say, well, what about Mike Edwards? And I think that while there is, you know, discipline that needs to happen there, I think it's a completely different conversation when you're talking about Antonio Brown's history of of off field events and history of within the team locker room that that type of things with the other teams he's played with. And Mike Edwards, who's been, you know, hasn't really had anything like this at all happen in, in his young career so far. I think it's a little bit different. If you're willing to give Antonio Brown as many chances as he's gotten, I don't understand why you wouldn't give Mike Edwards his first, second chance that he's ever needed. So I do think it's a, a different conversation between those two players. Uh, and Antonio Brown's situation is definitely unique. Yeah. And if, and if you're Bruce Arians, you've got to be kind of pissed. At AB, right? You got to feel embarrassed. You, you're, well, that, that that is something he did say flat yeah. out. I mean, he used that word in, in, in clearly because I think they were so proud of the fact that they were 100% right, vaccinated right. or so he thought. And he was the one who <laughs> yeah. announced it proudly, yeah. right? And he said, and we talked about it. We talked it up. We said, good for you, Tampa Bay. That's an advantage for you. 
good for you. You guys have your eyes on the prize. You get you get your eye on it. You're, you're you're doing the right things to win a Super Bowl. That's that puts you in a good spot. And you know, so you know, Bruce is not happy. But I agree with you 100. percent They haven't cut him yet. They haven't cut him. They should have cut him right away. Yeah, if, they, if they didn't cut him right away, they're not going to cut him if, next. Yeah. Time. If not. you didn't if you didn't cut him, you're probably going to let him play it out, go for the Super Bowl, and then. All right, you can let him walk. You can let him be somebody else's problem next year. But, you know, he's the quarterback's guy. He's Brady's guy. I'm sure he's made some relationships in that locker room. And uh, maybe the team wants him. I don't know. But, yeah, if he hasn't been cut yet, Luke, I agree with you 100%. He's not He's not getting cut. He's not getting cut, like, on the week he's eligible to return in week 16. It's not happening. It's not happening. Yeah. He's going to come back healthy, and he's probably going to help the Bucks. And that's just where we're at. So we have a big game for the Bucks. They got the Saints there. Regular season nemesis. We know we we got them last year in the playoffs, but the Saints have been a regular season nemesis, including this year. We're going to talk about the spread. The Bucks are huge favorites at home. We'll tell you by how much and make a prediction right after this. This is the typical sports book minute. Let's make this interesting. What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bet Slippin' Podcast, presented by SportsbookWire.com. I'm here with my handicapping homie. Nathan Beagle to break down this week's Monday night football game between the Minnesota Vikings and the Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears are getting three and a half points at home. The totals 43 and a half. I'm on the Chicago Bears getting three and a half points because Matt Nagy Chicago Bears are five and one straight up and four and two against the spread since he became head coach in 2018. Also, I think Chicago's running game will be able to help out their rookie quarterback, Justin Fields. Minnesota's defense has the second worst rushing success rate. I'm on the bank of the Bears getting three and a half at home. Nate, how do you play this game? So I'm on the over here. Justin Fields showed what he's capable of against a good Packers defense last week and Chicago's top 20 and four of their last six games. Also, Dalvin Cook ran over the Steelers and the Bears don't have a great rush defense. Give me the over 44 and a half points. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, Luke, my man. The Bucks are ten and a half point favorites at home against the Saints. Whoa, ten and a half, ten and a half. What's going on with that line, man? Like, do odds makers know that the Bucks and the Saints play these really tight games, or usually games that New Orleans somehow wins, right? In the especially in the Brady era, like, who came up with this line? Bucks ten and a half point favorites. My my gut reaction to that, or my initial reaction, was like way too high, way too high. Oh, absolutely. I, I think it. It looks like a line somebody just looked at on paper and saw a team that's what six and seven, a team that's ten and three. Bucks are playing at home. You know the Saints have Taysom Hill at quarterback and Jameis Winston's out, and you know you just look at the at the nuts and bolts of it, and you're like, oh, that's that's a game the Bucks should win by double digits. That makes sense. But yeah, you're talking about the history of this rivalry. I mean, even beyond the Brady era, I mean, the, the, the Saints have had the Bucks number in the regular season, mostly because the Bucks didn't make the playoffs for a while until last year. But, um, yeah, I, I don't see it. I don't see 10 and a half. That makes – I mean, if the Bucks end up winning by, by double digits, uh, I, I would be a pleasant surprise because that is just not how these games go. Yeah, I think I love I love Saints at plus 10 and a half. I mean, you got to factor in Alvin Kamara's back. He looked really good last mm-hmm. week. Uh, 
And, and Taysom Hill, I'm sure he's playing into this spread, but he's capable of hurting you. Right? Like Josh Allen just ran for 100 yards. Like, right, that, that's one point, and the yeah. fact that Taysom Hill has had success against the Bucks in particular when sure. he's played quarterback. So yeah. I don't see that being a problem at all. I think that's something that should make it more likely that the Saints are going to make this competitive. Yeah, so I don't know how you back the Bucks at 10.5 when you factor in, like you're saying, the history, this New Orleans voodoo, the mental block that happens when these two teams play. The Bucks just can't. They can't get the Saints out and Sean Payton out of their head or whatever, Luke. So, yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm on the Saints side of this line. 10.5 is too high. What do you think about the total? 46.5. I did a little bit of research on this uh, this line. Since Brady signed with the Bucks. uh Tampa has played the Saints four times, including that playoff game. And the average total in those games, 52.75. So they tend to play higher scoring games. I'm guessing because of Taysom Hill and all the running that the New Orleans Saints are going to do, I'm sure it's going to be a run-heavy game plan with Kamara and uh, Hill. That's just a going to throw that out there. That's a guess. Uh, I'm guessing that's why this total is pulled down to 46.5. But what do you think? Do you think uh, – are you siding with the over or the under here? Yeah, I like the over two, and, and it's just what you just said. These teams are used to scoring more points than that when they face each other. Uh, and I just think the Bucks' offense in general will throw the ball a good bit, um, and they've they've shown that they can break off big runs as well. And when you talk about Taysom Hill maybe bringing that, uh, they, that number down, I, I don't see this offense as being less explosive with him and Kamara as the features of, of their attack. I think it makes it more explosive than a lot of offenses who may throw the ball more. So I, I, I don't see that as, again, as taking away from the amount of points being scored. I think it honestly might help the Saints put up more points, the fact that they're going to feature those guys in some creative ways on the ground. So, yeah, I like the over. Uh, again, 10.5 is way too much for me for the Bucks, but I, I think they'll score more than that. Yeah, I do like the Bucks to win the game. I just think that spread's crazy. Uh, yeah, these two teams tend to play really fun games that with with points getting scored. It's usually a good time, right? It's usually a good time. There's just that one that one game that the Bucks only scored three points, right, Luke? And that was the one outlier. But other than that, high scoring, really fun games. But I, I look at the Saints. I, I got to feel like they found their prototype. I, I know they played the Jets last week. So I don't want to go overboard with, you know, oh, the Saints are back. They stopped their losing streak. Look how great they did last week against the Jets. But, like, Taysom Hill, he only attempted 21 passes, but he completed over 70% of them. And they just force-fed Alvin Kamara, right? I think they gave him, like, 31 total touches. They targeted him five times in the passing game. Uh, That's what it's going to be. It's going to be Hill and Kamara. So they found that recipe where high completion percentage, a lot of running the football, run-pass stuff run pass option stuff with Taysom Hill and not turning the football over on offense and then lean on their good defense. That's a pretty good recipe to stick with the, with, you know, hang in there against the Bucks. I think that's what we're going to see. I think they kind of found, they kind of found their, their prototype against the Jets last week. And now they're going to try to throw it at the Bucks. Yeah. And I think it's a good one. I, I think it's a good blueprint for them. Again, keeping the ball away from Tom Brady and that explosive offense. They've struggled with that Saints defense in, in the regular season games that they've played. Um, I think much like the playoff game, it, it's going to come down to the Bucks' defense making plays. They're going to need to get off the field on third down. They're going to need to create a couple of turnovers. The, Tom Brady's going to have to take care of the football, something he struggled to do against the Saints in the regular season. Um, you know, it's going to come down to who executes, who avoids mistakes. The Bucks have done phenomenally in the penalty uh, category since that Saints game. They had struggled really all year through that game earlier this season. But right now, I think they're averaging, you know, three, a little little more than three penalties a game right now, which is, uh, again, that's one of the big reasons they made the run last year, right? Is they, after after that week five loss to the Bears, they really locked in and started eliminating penalties. 
the, the self-inflicted errors, the team that avoids those mistakes and, and executes is going to win this game. Man, Brady had a lot of hat and t-shirt games in New England. He's got one here with the Bucks, Luke. Wait and you win the division. Get the hat and the t-shirt. Let's get that thing. You know, it's it's time. Yeah, it's that's time. the first one. There's 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 more that they want, but this is one they haven't had in a long time, and and they they want it bad, especially against the Saints. Yeah, it should be fun for Luke Easterling. I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate all you listeners. Hit subscribe for us. We will catch you next week after Bucks Saints. Catch you then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.